All right. I am here with the Frank Torres. This has been an interview that everyone in advanced training has been waiting for. Frank, how are you doing? What's up, Coach? I'm, I'm excited. I've been, it's funny. I've been listening to all these guys, all your podcasts, and it's fun just to get to know a little bit of the guys a little bit more personally over the years and through your podcast. I've, I've been itching to get on ever since, so I'm glad you have me. So I, I'm, I'm going to start this off with a, a little bit of a scenario. I had not maybe not a scenario, maybe a situation that in my gym bag right now I have this folder, and in that folder there is a picture of a baseball player, and it says, uh, "Dear George, keep working hard, and this could be you." Now, what what is that? How did that end up in my bag? You know what's funny about that picture? Uh, it, it you know what it's. I don't remember exactly what day it was. It was definitely a cold 5.30 a.m. workout. Um, I was definitely probably five minutes, five to ten minutes late. Didn't have my jump rope. And uh, I knew you were somewhat mad at me. You usually, you know, you put your head down, stomped away. And I thought maybe I would bring the morale up a little bit. So I had the picture with me for some reason. I don't know why. And uh, I thought, like, uh, I'll just sign it and leave it in and maybe get a smile out of you. I still have it there. I believe that was like uh... – I don't know, five years ago, and it's still in my bag right now. Oh, thank you. That means the world to me. Yeah, when times are rough or I'm feeling like things are a little going too well in my life, then I open it up and just say, man, I miss this kid. <laughs> I miss you too, Coach. Let's talk about the dynamics of our relationship. And for many people, that, myself included, we're going to try – this might give us some insight into the head of Frank Torres, who for those of you who don't know, he's been the ultimate – mind game player in advanced training history he's gotten inside everybody's head mine <laughs> other athletes people that have left the pr- program people that came in after him it's just the uh, the expertise of what he does he makes everybody already around him better because he either angers them or he pushes <laughs> them to a new level that they probably couldn't have got to on their own but let's just talk about you and me first so people have argued or or said that we have a relationship similar to that of batman and the joker uh, like batman i love order I love discipline. I love everything to go a certain way. And you just seem to love chaos and disorder or love to put me in those situations. Uh, do you think that's, first of all, what are your thoughts on this? Am I way off or is this your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard it a couple of times and truth be told, I love it. I really do, uh, especially the Joker. He's one of those villains that uh, in, in, a, in a weird way you kind of uh, kind of root for because, you, you know, you have the joke on screen and, you know, he's good to watch, but he, you know, if he's by himself, that's just, he's just a joker. You have the Batman on scene, you know, by himself, he's just a Batman, but you put both of them together and it's dynamic and it's, they both feed off each other. And I couldn't, you know, describe it better than Batman and Joker when it comes to me and you, uh, on the flip side, <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of people misconstrue where, you know, I come in and just tear apart the training sheets and don't care. A lot of that is, you know, you call a space. It's 5.30 in the morning. It's cold. A lot of us are dead tired. And, you know, even myself, I need a pick-me-up. And the only way to do that is to you know, go, go at the big cat, you know, go at the big guy. So I get you riled up, which gets everyone riled up, and we kind of go from there. Yeah, so basically what you would do is uh, call out the program, uh, <laughs> say you're going to pull a Billy Blanco and go to DeFranco's, <laughs> call it advanced CrossFit, and then oh, start man. your workout. I, I think in a sense, by doing that, I mean, first and foremost, I, you know, I have the utmost respect when, you know, for you, I always knew you knew the best. Whenever I had 
any information, any, any questions, I went to you. But in a sense, it was kind of like, you know, prodding you a little bit to get more out of you. Just like, you know, you would do to us in, in times, you know, like if we were being soft, you would tell us, oh, well, you know, you should have stopped being soft, stop making excuses. And you would, it, it would get us to that next hump. So I think a lot of times that's what it kind of was. It was just more a little bit back and forth. Now, you like you, you take a real pleasure in getting under people's skin at advanced training. So I do, yes. <laughs> aside, from, aside from me, is there a person that you truly enjoy doing it to the most? You know, throughout the years, there's been some good ones. And you know what? It's funny. I never really – I didn't have any bias towards it. It wasn't somebody who I thought could beat me or I thought who couldn't beat me. I attacked everybody equally. Uh, my only thing was, you know, if you gave me a reaction, I fed off it. Uh, I've had some good. I've had, you know, Billy Blanco has been a an easy go to get. Uh, and old, and and I say because Billy Blanco is one of the more competitive guys I know. He's an absolute beast. Um, Francis Consul Magno, same same character, same uh, type of athlete. You know, these were all. When you think of advanced training, it was all premier athletes. We were all striving to be great. So when you challenge somebody on it. You know, we weren't just going to take, you know, take it lying down. We were going to fight back. And I knew certain guys had to get them. It's hard. You know, I can't really, if I had to, for sake of the argument, I would say, you know what? Joe Sarno would probably be. <laughs> it's funny because I have a good relationship with Joe. And again, he's another one of those premier athletes. He really is. He's a great person. But uh, I think it's just because it's so easy to get him. You know, it makes me feel like I've accomplished something. <laughs> I, I can't wait till you guys see each other on Thanksgiving morning. Oh, uh, no, I can't wait. I miss Gumby. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to do some word association for you. Uh, the first one is uh, Murphy Slayer. What comes to mind? <laughs> oh, man, the Murphy brothers. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny. You say that, I think, of 09. And only because when I had won that, tough man competition I was you know I wasn't I was a nobody I, I wasn't really supposed to I think one of the guys had woke me up in my car 20 minutes prior I just wasn't supposed to win it and when I beat him the it wasn't like a deflated person it was just he was so angry and I I couldn't enjoy anything more than to see somebody angry that I had beat them it was it was almost <laughs> It was almost as if that was enough. I didn't need the trophy. I didn't need the belt. I just needed that. That was solidified my win, that he was angry that I had beat him. So I, I have to paint the scenario for people that don't know. So uh, I know people think that I'm a nice guy and I never throw people out of the program, but all of this is false revisionist <laughs> history. Yeah, I've gotten thrown out, what, three times? <laughs> yeah, so that year was Frank's first year in the program. He gets thrown out. Uh, obviously, I love him because of the connection we had at Poly Prep. He was at our inside linebacker or enforcer. So I throw him out. And for some reason, everybody believes in their minds that Frank was not training at all for like five months and then shows up and wins the tough man. And at that time, there was a series of rounds that get you to the final event. And in the final event, it ended up that it was Frank Torres against Mike Murphy. Mike Murphy is a six foot three athlete. He went on to play division one college football. He has the broad jump record for advanced training 
he he's obviously he, from what I'm saying. Hopefully, he's painting the picture. He's a he's a great athlete. <laughs> nah, uh, he was. Years later, maybe a couple of years in a row, he's like a runner up for tough men against Teddy Colhesi. He, he he's proven himself as one of the greatest people to ever come through the program. And Frank Torres beats him. And and you really at that point after you won that tough man, you didn't compete for quite a few years, saying that you were undefeated in tough man <laughs> challenges. <laughs> Oh, such a punk. So, so people, you know, you win the tough man, and now people say, well, advanced training doesn't work because Frank Torres didn't train and he came back and won. This is ridiculous. So just, again, for people that think he didn't train, he did. There were sometimes he trained with me on his own outside of there, and he did train with us for about a, a month straight as we did tough man training to win against Mike Murphy. Now, let's, let's fast forward uh, a couple of years later to Chris Murphy. Talk us through that, that Murphy slaying. <sighs> now. And again, he, he like his brother. He, he was a fine athlete, and you know I know him a little bit better than I knew his older brother. He, a great kid, um, but again, I would always prod him with the jokes that you know I had taken one Murphy down. I'll take another one, and it kind of built up, built up. And if you know Murphy, you know he's you know he's competitive too. So <laughs> I think one day he just had enough of my uh, back and forth. So I remember I don't know who issued the challenge. I think I may have goaded him into a specific challenge that. I don't think it, I knew it was no, I know it was one of his strong points, but it was definitely something that he shouldn't have challenged me at only because, you know, I, I had been dominating it throughout, you know, the gym and everything like that. So I kind of like prodded him into doing it. Uh, long story short, <laughs> as he started, I, I remember just filling his head up with everything. You're going to go down. Are you going to go home and tell your brother? Should we call your brother? It was a whole nonsense. And long story short, it was just one of those, his anger just got the best of him. I ended up beating him by a couple of reps. But uh, it's funny you bring the, that name up, the Murphy brothers. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember, there was a, a day later on where Chris was not in the gym and you were just – they weren't there. Neither Murphy brother was there. You were just screaming about how much of a Murphy slayer you were. And some guy said, those are my nephews. It's just some random guy in the gym. It turned out it was uh, Mike Murphy's uncle. Great yes, guy. Yes, I do. But and he, yeah, he was pretty related. jacked up too. Yes, he was. So, <laughs> yes. so let's talk about your dominance in the challenge. So you went two years in a row without a challenge loss. So 2014 and 2015, you were undefeated. The only person that uh, beat you was you because you had to keep giving up the belt for missing workouts. <laughs> Overall, you're 11 and 1. So why do you seem to step up in these competitive situations? Uh, you know what? It's, uh, it's, it's one of those, how do I say? I've always strived in, in competition. Um, but in the flip side, I'm one of those people where like in a practice situation, if there's nothing on the line, you know, I kind of fold, I don't give it my all. And, you know, it's, it's a bit of a downfall of mine, but I, I think it's just, you know, which is one of the greater things about advanced training. There's always a challenge. There's always something that we're always trying to one up each other and not in the necessary of putting another one down, but it's just pushing all of us to the, you know, to the next level. And I've said this thousands of times to you, to people who have asked about advanced training. It is without a doubt, something that all athletes need to be a part of in one way or another, just someone constantly pushing them to be better. And, you know, when it came to those challenges, you know, you put all of us on a stage, it kind of divided the room, but everybody still wanted to see us perform. You know, no one wanted to see anyone get hurt. It was, I want to see a great, you know, showdown. I want to see a back and forth, no matter what the exercise was. 
So just looking at the actual challenge versus you versus Chris Murphy, who I'd also say was this kid was a legit running back, another college football player. You guys were doing a one-arm iso lateral max reps, and you knocked out 23. And at the time, I think you had an issue with your shoulder. So I think you might have had to force it left-handed or you made him go right-handed. Uh, yeah, but you're, you're right. There was some sort of mental trickery going on as this thing started that it, it seemed unfair uh, as it was happening. <laughs> so let's – I got another name for you. Uh, Ryan Smith. You were, you were obsessed with my treatment of Ryan Smith. You thought that I favored him over everybody else. Is that, is that true? <laughs> I mean, I think you know you favored him a little bit over everybody else. But, you know, call spade a spade on that. But honestly, truth be told, a little story, not, you know, I've always kept to myself for all these years. Not a lot of people know. Uh, that year, that summer when I got cut from uh, – independent ball in texas uh you you knew a little bit about it but not too many people know and this just speaks this story speaks to the character of uh smith and who he was as a person uh i had came back and i was utterly embarrassed you know i had felt like i had failed uh i didn't really want to talk to anybody especially when you're the loudest one in the room and something like that happens you feel like you're a walking target <laughs> so truth be told i remember those workouts and i was you know real down and i just needed to clear my head and you know, Smith doesn't really know me from a hole in the wall besides me busting his chops all the time. But he came over to me, and, you know, during warm-ups, and he kind of, like, just confided in me. He was like, hey, man, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. You gave it your all. And until this day, I mean, Smith called me for anything. It's done. He's, he's a real great guy. He's a real good competitor. I know he's, uh, he's coaching somewhere, so hopefully he's uh, doing his thing. But... Yeah, like you, he's another guy that just kind of took the shot, you know? Oh, I, no, 100%. And that's – it's – People like that, which is, I would say, for the most part, a lot of people in advanced training, which is why we all gravitate back home. You know, we're all involved in one way or another. We're all happy to see each other succeed. And, you know, we would, we, we, uh, we shot for the sun, all of us. You know, some of us came close, some of us didn't. But, you know, at the end of the day, you go for it, you go for it. And I, I have nothing but respect for that kid. So what, what made you pursue college baseball over college football. So I, I coached you in, in football. Yes. I, I didn't coach you in baseball, uh, so I'm obviously biased. But <laughs> you were one of the best players I ever coached. As, as crazy like as you were uh, in the gym and on a field <laughs> and practice, you put it all together, and we'll talk about that a little later assignment-wise. But to me, you are a football player. I know football players. I know baseball players. Your mentality is that of a football player. What made you decide, you know what, I'm going with the baseball angle? Uh, you know what? There's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that went into it. Um, I think to best describe it would be um, just really immaturity. You know, I had listened to a lot of outside people. You know, like everything else, everyone has a say in what they think is best. And not that everyone had, was wrong or had their own ambitions, but it was just, you know, I believed a lot of things on the outside, so it kind of skewed my decisions. Uh, that being said, I, I grew up loving baseball. Uh, you know, anybody who knows me knows I'm a baseball player. But the way I played baseball was because of football. You know, there was nothing better than putting on that helmet, you know, <laughs> giving it your best shot. You know, someone bigger, better than you, not today. You run at them 100%, same arm, same leg, give it everything you got. And to me, that was how I approached, you know, football, baseball, life. <laughs> so to me, even people who see me who didn't know, they knew I was a football player on the baseball field. So, I mean, truth be told, at heart, I'm, I'm still a football player. 
So let's let's uh, I want to talk about your lack of discipline on a football field. So I'll, I'll, I'll paint this picture for everybody. It is my first year at Poly Prep High School. Uh, I'm trying to make my way in and gain respect to the coaching staff as a guy who's like a, a special teams expert. This team's already won. You know, so, so they don't need me. I'm just a coach coming into an existing program that, that's that's beaten everybody. They've been nationally ranked. So I'm trying to prove myself. I, I put in this uh, elaborate punt block scheme, but we're in a scrimmage against another school and common etiquette as a coach is to not block punts during, uh, you know, uh, during a scrimmage. <laughs> it's not, it's not, you're not supposed to do it. But when you, when they call their punt team out, the guy should take like two or three steps when they get off the ball and stop. So uh, Frank Torres proceeds to block, not one, not two, not three, but four punts in a row. And now I have my, <laughs> my head coach, the guy who coached me when I was a kid, who's now the head coach of Poly Prep screaming at me from the field like I am a horrible human being. So what was going through your mind? I mean, he yelled at you after the first one. He yelled at me after the second one. Were you uh, trying to make me look like the greatest special teams coach, or were you trying to get me fired? <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely not get you fired. You, you were the best. Uh, I think a lot of it, when you look uh, – I look back on that situation, you know, aside from the others, you know, it's kind of like a pride thing, especially at that point. Uh, you had assigned me that spot on the field. And I, I, you know, part of me really wanted me to make it look good that, you know, we saw this, you know, great pump block. But another one came back to kind of like my strength and weakness where, you know, yes, it was a scrimmage, but I still had somebody in front of me who wanted to make, you know, make a name for himself. So I wasn't going to let that happen. So I went all out. I didn't know how to really give it 50%. Because, again, like the guy in front of me was, I was trying to make a name for myself. You know, again, yeah, Dino didn't really quite like it. Too much. I remember running a lot, but, you know, at the end of the day, that was me. Yeah, you and me both. We both <laughs> ran for that one. All right, so you have these issues with order. I give you a workout, you rip it up. I give you a weight to do, you add 30 pounds. But on a football field, you never made an assignment mistake. And I'm not saying this like just throwing out some random thing without knowing about it. I took data at every on every game, on every snap as the linebacker coach at Poly Prep for Frank's two years that I was there when he was on varsity. And he would grade out 100% on his assignments. What would make you take that so seriously? You know, aside from obviously being coached, coached up properly by you and uh, the other great coaches that we had, you know, a large part of it was uh, my fear of letting down my teammates, letting down you, letting down the program. Um, you know, I had known that missing an assignment or being selfish, trying to make a play on my own would, you know, would hinder us in a certain way. So truth be told, especially that senior year, that's that's when I left it all on the table. I wasn't I wasn't trying to show off. I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just listening, you know, playing assignment football. and That's it. So what you mentioned before this phrase, same arm, same leg. What does that mean to you? That is that is how I approach life. That is <laughs> that is easily the uh, the way I live. Uh, you you know you had taught me that at Poly in regards to taking on uh, fullbacks and blocks. But uh, to be told, it was just one of those words that it really does. One of those words, one of those phrases that just you know it applies to everything in life. When something's coming at you, you know you can't run from it. Or if you, you know you pity patty towards it, you're gonna get knocked on your back. All you can really do is run up like a train and same arm, same leg, embrace it and do what you got to do. So for every linebacker I ever coached, this is part of the EDDs, the everyday drills. It's just something that we do. 
And as Frank is alluding to, when you hit somebody head up, you want to hit them with your same arm, same leg. I'm not going to go into any more detail, but uh, <laughs> linebackers, you know what I'm talking about. And it was great. One day you were at work and you sent me a picture with a post-it note on your laptop or your the computer screen that said same arm, same leg. Uh, I have, I made have to, my day. And that's in my locker. Same arm, same leg. I put on the uniform. I look at it. And I go out to work. That is awesome. That is awesome. I love it. So I, I want to talk about practice yes you made you were a little undisciplined in practice but you know before you said like ah, if it's really not the game you kind of tone it down I don't think that was the case you always practiced super hard you maybe did some crazy things my job was probably on the line every single day coaching you because it was you got to control this guy but you made every practice great because you brought insane emotion and passion to every single session you, you obviously you did the same thing in the gym so why is it that you do that. And let me just take a step back. I know from coaching that any great team requires a guy that sets the tempo for practice. So there's guys like Billy Blanco, there's guys like Joe Sarno, there's guys like Frank Torres that there's, you're not allowed to have a bad day. You got to have a good day because those guys are going to be around you and make every practice great. So wh- where did this come from? Is this something you were raised to do? Is this something that was just you were born with? Where did it come from? Uh, it's, it's uh, I don't know how to explain that. Truth be told, I think it was just, um, you know, it's funny. You bring up the people around us. And I think it was just that immense love for people around me that I, I, I always wanted to, you know, make it enjoyable. And if not enjoyable, I wanted to make it real. I wanted everyone around me to to prosper, from, you know, off of me. If they, you know, if they couldn't do it themselves, they would feed off my energy and they would get going. And, you know, truth be told, seeing that sometimes – you know, like I would joke around with you about mental reps. Give me another mental rep. Give me this. Give me that. A lot of that, that gave me pure happiness. Seeing somebody like if I was over them, if I even if I was bad-mouthing them and that got them one more rep, whatever it was, that made me feel like I had accomplished something. So, you know, practices when I was screaming, howling, going crazy, and, you know, <laughs> Coach Mangero losing his mind. But, uh, you know, all those times, but seeing my teammates, you know, feed off that energy, seeing them get, you know, get ready to go do something that maybe they weren't really, you know, particularly ready to do. It made me feel like my job on that team was solidified, that I was doing what I was put there to do. And you mean that literally, like we'd be in a a no contact drill and you'd lay out the quarterback. (laughs) So yeah, that guy wasn't ready for it. And and at certain points the the person getting yelled at for that was me. You got to control this guy. (laughs) No, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure you were brought there just to coach me, but, but you know what? It's truth be told. Don't, I mean, Granted, definitely looking back and at a younger Frank Torres, there were really no explanations for some of the things. But, uh, you know, truth be told, it always came from a good place. It, you know, it always came from heart. That's all it was. I never really went out there, tried to actually hurt anybody, never tried to show off. It was, it was all pure emotion. So let's expand on me being brought there for you. Let's talk about you returning the favor. So twice I've had to call you in as what I'd call a, a linebacker whisperer. There was, <laughs> there were guys that I thought were Frank Torres esque in their demeanor and what they could bring to the table. And they needed, they needed to meet in my mind, they needed to meet with you. Just what were you thinking when I called you up and what made you come down and help these two kids out? Yeah. You know, first off for, for you um, again, like I've called you many times in my life, not, not pertaining to football, sometimes outside, sometimes just to pick your brain on a certain matter. I've always, looked at you as one of the better people I've known. So for you to call me in certain situations, it was uh, truly an honor. And it, you know, spoke volumes of our relationship. Uh, that being said, you know, I, uh, you know, personally, not too many people know, I didn't have a 
the greatest story going through a lot of, you know, I had some, uh, some real rough roads and truth be told, I, uh, I'm proud of them. They made me the man I am today, but a lot of times they could have been avoided. And what I, what I try to do is especially talking to some of the guys and the gentlemen that you had me come in and talk to, you know, not only are they great athletes, but sitting down with them, getting to know them a little better. They're great people. I know they're going to be great at whatever they want to do in life. But sometimes it's good to just let them see somebody, you know, you want to know the road ahead of you, ask the man coming back from it. So I would try to give him that insight of, hey, listen, I understand this and I understand that. But, you know, I try to give him another avenue. Sometimes when I was in their shoes, it was one way and that's it. You know, I try to, you know, tell kids that there's there's other choices that they got. And, you know, it's it's one of the greater things I love. You know, I try to put my foot in coaching. You help me a lot with coaching. And that's why I love it now almost as much as I love playing. Almost, but. So th- there was a, f- a famous Frank Torres quote when I was coaching at Poly Prep. And you would say, this ain't Mount St. Michael. And <laughs> you would say that because I had coached at C before Poly Prep. And you were referencing that the schools that Poly Prep was playing were not nearly as, as bad as Mount St. Michael. In fact, they were <laughs> way better. I bring you in to be the linebacker whisperer. And the first game we're coaching against is Mount St. Michael. <laughs> yeah. The interesting part is I, the first day you come to practice, I believe you were working as a bouncer, and you came down to the practice in your bouncing clothes. Am, am I correct? <laughs> yes, yes. So, <laughs> I was wearing a suit and tie. I had the earpiece hanging over. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the St. Joseph by the Sea coaches were, were, were like, who is this guy? <laughs> so that is the legendary Frank Torres coming down. <laughs> so let's, let's go to like a more uh, – I, I want to talk about your relationship with Jimmy Uske, who – he seems like he's your polar opposite. Can you just explain your relationship? How are you guys friends? I, I got to set the record straight because I, James has been doing this our whole life. Uh, he always gets away as the peaceful one, the quiet one. That guy is always the one behind the scenes. He's pulling my strings. He's telling me who to go after. <laughs> it's funny, though. You know, Jimmy is, again, you know, I'm giving a lot of praise and a lot of compliments, and I mean them all. But uh, Jimmy used to be a lifelong friend of mine, and – uh it's funny. We've been through some ups and downs, man, but he really is a true friend. He's a great human being, a uh, great competitor. He likes to down himself a lot because of his height. But uh, truth be told, is I haven't seen a better competitor besides him. He goes out there. He gives it his all. He's got a lot of talent, a lot of heart. So I remember the first day before he came to the gym, you said, hey, coach, I got a great guy to join. Uh, you'll love him. He's a nerd just like you. <laughs> Uh, you know me, I always got to give those backhanded compliments. But, I mean, it's it's true, though, when you really look at it, how you two, you kind of feed off each other. You you almost are, how many times have you come in and kind of like gave me a little elbow, a little shrug and said, oh, look at him over there. And then I would attack Blanco or attack Morano, you know, one of these guys. But, you know, truth be told, <laughs> you know, what, one of the greater things was definitely bringing Jimmy down there. And when we spoke about it, just like I had said before, I was like, it's it's something that you got to be a part of. Yeah, we're not. You're not going to go run the NFL Combine tomorrow, but be a part of this. You know, this is great people. You're going to better yourself, your workout. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're not, you're not going to hate working out with these guys. You're going to love it, and that's it. How, how did you – maybe you just answered the question, but how did you talk him in to come train with us because but, he wasn't a college <laughs> athlete? No. Yeah. I mean, we had, he had known some of the guys because, you know, again, one of advanced training's greatest things with a lot of us, we did, it didn't just end in the weight room. A lot of us saw each other around. Uh, we'd hang out in certain circles, stuff like that. 
But, um, you know, I told them a lot of the things that would go on, a lot of the workouts, but just how it was. It wasn't a uh, – I'm going to say this and you're going to laugh, but it wasn't like we weren't judging each other. Yeah, we'd bust chops and, you know, we'd we'd laugh and destroy people, tear them apart and, you know, you know, everything like that. But it was just something that made you better, even the ball busting, even, you know – even when you would come down and make me do, you know, these jumping jacks, you know, extra this, extra that, it was, it was all part of a, you know, a great atmosphere. And I know Jimmy will say to this day that it was one of the better decisions he's made. And, and he's a guy now that I will confide in with with certain things. You know, I, like we talk about work, we'll talk about deep thoughts. I'm I'm glad, you, like deep thoughts, like. Hey, I'm I'm thinking about writing this into a program, or I'm thinking about this as an efficiency move, or I'm thinking about this from a moral perspective. You're right. We we did connect on multiple different levels. We do have a lot in common. So I love that you brought him in, not just for what he brought to the table <laughs> in know. advanced training, but for me personally. No, yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy's a great guy. So we're gonna change gears again. It's 2009. You win the tough men. Then from 2009, you proceed until 2014 to continually brag that you've never lost a tough man. In 2014, you decide to come out of retirement. I don't know why. You're coming in with an injury. I don't know how you got it, but you got it. You basically can only train with one arm for the, uh, the entire summer. So you've, <laughs> I, I alter the tough man. I believe I had people vote on which of the two options you should take. And I, 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 if I remember correctly, they allowed you to pick the two options. But to this day, you still say that I screwed you over in that tough man. I just want to, for the record, I would like to hear your perspective on this while we're on the podcast. <laughs> First off, I don't remember this voting thing. I swear. The only thing I remember was like gladiator. I was standing there chained up. You stabbed me right in the heart and then told me to go compete. That was some dirty <laughs> stuff that happened. You know, I, so I, look, I look at it seriously and not, not, I'm not downplaying anyone or saying that I would have beat anybody. It was a lot of great athletes. Uh, I believe, I believe Smith won it that year. I know he was, he was going, he was going crazy on the field, but I'm looking back and I'm like, damn. I got to go an extra 25 yards on each thing here to make up for sliders. Like, I don't, I don't get this. <laughs> so for those that don't know, so Frank, he, he's, his shoulders hurt. So we didn't have him do sliders. If you're familiar with the tough man format, the sliders are a pretty big part of it. In fact, you got to go twice with it. So our thought was we would just extend every other drill by about 25 yards. So he had a proud Come on, extra you, length. You say this now. You don't think that's a little crazy? <laughs> Farmers walk an extra 25 yards. You know, we, we made it a, a little more challenging in terms of distance on those uh, events, but we did allow you to compete in the competition. In, in hindsight, it probably wasn't fair, but <laughs> there was a vote. Uh, we should talk about this uh, Thanksgiving morning when everybody shows up. There definitely was a vote, and I think the guys did the right thing and said, we don't want to vote because we want to let him make the choice. Until uh, this day, I'll stand on my – I did not make that choice. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, so let, let's. I'm gonna get into some some rapid fire type of questions. So, when you think of advanced training, what's the one per- word that pops into your head? That's all. There's, there's too many. I would, I would say camaraderie. Now, that's interesting because you are. I thought you were gonna say competition. Mm-hmm. What what makes you think camaraderie over competition? Reason being, because even in the competitions, it, it, as weird as it sounded, because, yes, we were always trying to be the best guy in the gym, you know, in the competition aspect. We, you know, we were always trying to one-up each other in certain things. But in doing so, I truly believe that it, there was no selfish agenda. There was, we were all striving to push each other. 
yeah, I wanted to get one more rep than Ryan Smith. But he also wanted me to put on a performance, you know. I wanted to lift more than Billy Blanco, which is impossible. But, you know, again, you know, it was in the same – he wanted me to be better. So I say, I say camaraderie only in the sense that I really – I never went into that workout. I never went to any workout amongst my peers there and, and felt that someone really didn't have my best interest. So if you were the head of advanced training and you got to change one thing about what we did, what would it be? <laughs> only one thing. <laughs> oh. uh, coach, you know, I know this sounds like a cop-out, but truth be told, there's nothing I would change about it. It's, it really is a great program on, on all levels. You know, it helped, it helped me in my baseball pursuits. It helped me as a, as a man, as funny as that sounds, waking up, a little bit of responsibility. Um, it really is a great program. I wouldn't change a thing. Is it because you already changed everything while you were in the program and just <laughs> did whatever you wanted in the gym? Oh, I knew I was coming. Come on, man. I grew up. <laughs> I grew up a little. I seen the error of my ways. So for, for those that don't know, I would say, be like, Coach, uh, what should I do on this one-arm overhead squat? I'd say 50, and then i turn around. He's doing 80. I'd be like, what do you do? And it, this would be the entire workout. And he would just constantly say, you're holding me back, man. You, you got to let me go. <laughs> you know, truth be told, some of those things I'm paying for now. And, you know, hindsight being 2020, I wish I can go back and just listen. But, uh, it, you know, again, I think it was something, um, again, if I may speak frankly, I think it was something you know, too, out of all the athletes. We weren't just going to, you know, follow it. You, you liked us. You loved us because you knew there was more there. We weren't just, you know, dummies walking around. We weren't just robots. We had personality. We were always going to strive to be better. And, and I, I, going back to that weight thing, I felt, and I've said this on other podcasts, and I'll just probably continue to say it, my job was to make sure you guys did not kill yourselves or each other. It was about, it was about restraint. You know, Training yes. is restraint. If you guys weren't who you were, you wouldn't be training with advanced training. We didn't have people that needed to be motivated to work out hard. It's really we need, we need people to work out smart and not blow their shoulder out or not blow their knee out or gradually build up their strength. So yeah, it was it was a constant give and take with everybody. Just with you, it was a lot more. Oh, a no, no, hundred percent. That's why I say hindsight. I look I look back now, and and some of the you know the elements that I have today, you know, I could definitely attribute to me being stupid. But um, again, it, it was one of those deals where you know me and you used to joke around, and I would come up with stupid sayings almost every workout. But uh, to touch the thunder, die trying, and to me it was it was always to go as hard as I can. And if I had failed doing it, then so be it. But at least I went for it. And that's the kind of attitude that I would give to you. And a lot of times you would, you know, you just laugh it off, shrug it off, and walk away and tell me to drop the weight. But that was really what I believed at that time. It was, you know, to really give it my all. Uh, what, one of the funniest memories I have of you is that you said you had uh, pulled your hamstring doing chin-ups. That is a legendary <laughs> moment at advanced training. Damn, coach. <laughs> And I'm also remembering uh, that you loved the altitude landings. <laughs> the ACL test. <laughs> yeah, ACL test. This is Coach Mahoney's uh, ability to give somebody an ACL test. <laughs> all right, so let's let's get back to uh, advanced training and things that – right, so let's think about if you had to say in your mind, mm. who is the most successful person at advanced training? When you think of success, who comes to mind and why? Anybody? Anybody. It could be somebody you trained with, somebody before you, somebody after you. I mean, that's, that's a tough question. I mean, because, again, I'm not, 
I'm not just patting everybody on the back and trying to be, you know, a nice guy because being recorded. You know, I think I, I think everybody in their own right has done what they wanted to do, has gotten what they wanted to get out of advanced training. Um, I mean, but it, just to say it, and again, not a biased thing, I would say uh, Jimmy Yuski. What's your reasoning for, for him over somebody else? See, my reasoning was uh, knowing James, you know, growing up together. I always, you know, especially when I talked him into the program, uh, it was a, it was a kind of sense of he, he didn't feel like he belonged. Um, I had gotten that out of him. And, you know, it's funny because you, you and I both know him and he's the perfect fit for it. But seeing how he's molded himself into, you know, now sometimes if I'm going to go work out, I sometimes if I don't if I don't get an answer from you, I call him. And he's become this uh, little George Mahoney, so to speak. So uh, to me, I look at it and I'm like, wow, this was a kid who, uh, who kind of felt like he didn't belong. And now he's, you know, he's one of the guys. He's one of the good fellas in there. So, you know, I'd say James. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So let's, I'm going to link to that question. We're, imagine we're doing a, a tag team challenge and you need to pick a, a tag team partner. You don't even, you don't even have to answer. It's Jimmy Uski. Jimmy Uski. Wow. Jimmy All right. Uski, hands then, down. Then I'm going to change the question slightly. Who do you guys want to beat? Who would you take the most? Who would you be the happiest beating? Happiest beating. I mean, the Murphy brothers only because they'd lose their minds. <laughs> they'd probably burn my house down. Uh, <laughs> Sarno would be another one. I, you know, just. I. I it's so it's it's so hard because all these guys, while I have a great relationship with them, you know, outside of the gym and and in the gym, it's just they all this is that competitive edge. Like you know, you beat them. I think the only guys I really, I remember guys like Chloe Hesse, um, guys that were very like heatles, guys that really weren't like talkers so so much. They just went in there, they did what they had to do, dominated and left. You know, I wouldn't get enjoyment out of that. Like I, I need someone to you know scream at me, curse at me. Uh, Murano, Blanco, I, you know, there's a big list. It's hard. Yeah, it's start. It's starting to get long. It's just they're gonna have to wait in line <laughs> to get beat by. True. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I couldn't give you an answer on that. I'm sorry. It's gonna be an interesting Thanksgiving morning when all these guys see it. Oh uh, no, I can't wait. I mean, truth be told, on on every aspect to compete against them, and just to see them. I haven't seen some of these guys in so long. So, what do you think? is your biggest strength that may actually be your biggest weakness or it appears to be your biggest strength to other people, but it's actually your weakness. Uh, it's, it touches on a little bit of both. Like what we had spoke about earlier, almost about like, I guess you would say my heart, my, uh, my drive to do things. Sometimes Sometimes I would go in and I would try to be the loudest in the room. And in doing so, what you do is you, you kind of create yourself to be a major target. Um, in some points, it, you have to understand that's what it is. If you're going to, you're going to trash talk, you better expect somebody to come back at you. And not that taking it is a weakness of mine. It's just sometimes, you know, I'm just trying to go in and do my thing. Sometimes, you know, we all have a bad day. I'm trying to do my thing, but I'm, instead I became a target for somebody else. Somebody else saw me weak now and now they're coming at me, you know, a case in point, you know, we bring up this, uh, this group chat and I got some, you know, Madden kid. I don't even know his name. And, uh, you know, he starts taking shots. I don't know this kid from a hole in the wall. I'm, I'm like, is it? You know, I'm like, where's this coming from? But it's just the name that I created. You know, of trash talking so much that guys that I don't even know, you know, they come at me. 
So, so the the Madden kid is a legit fierce competitor. He's Joe Tronzo. Yo, he's he's probably going to be on our team on Thanksgiving morning. No, nah, you know I, I I know exactly who he is. I just uh, wanted to get that off the air. <laughs> well, what the saying as they say in Game of Thrones, if you put an arrow on, uh, sorry, a, a target on your chest, someone's about to shoot an arrow through it at some point. No, so, and, and that comes with the territory, right? It comes with if if you're going to trash talk, people are going to come at you. So, no, no, it, it's it is true, and a lot of times people who know me best know where I'm coming from. And it's just sometimes it could be miscued. And a lot of times it'll get me to a place where I don't want to be, where it became back and forth, back and forth. And then it became an actual, you know, competitive thing where you lost all sight of what it was. Now I'm not trying to beat everybody else. I'm just trying to beat you. And that's where you lose it, you know. In, in a weird way, even though you and Ryan Smith don't have much in common, he had a similar aspect to him when he was in advanced training because he, let's say he was a senior in high school training with me the college guys didn't know him they came back and he was trash talking these guys as if he knew him and there were a couple of instances where it kind of almost had to take guys aside and be like look you don't know him he's not really a bad kid uh yeah. he's just hyper competitive please don't start any issues in this gym so i, I think you and, and ryan smith have a lot more in common than you think <laughs> no no we do uh i Knowing his level of trash talk and mine, a little different. Yes, <laughs> very different. <laughs> he would come at you with some weird angles. And I, even I, I, I've been a part of some of those workouts, and I'm like, oh, damn, come on, we, we can't say that, man. <laughs> you know, that sounds like fighting words. <laughs> but, uh, but again, yeah, no, I would say that is uh, – and that's been my weakness throughout life, uh, you know, unfortunately and fortunately, because, again, I look at it as a strength too. I went into a lot of things all hot, and, you know, you go all in and you lose – you lose big. So what what advice would you give to your, let's say, 16-year-old self? Don't listen to the outside noise. You know, be yourself. Um, it, it's tough because, you know, I'm somebody who used to say, um, I used to be a big believer in that people that said, things you know things happen for a reason or just looking for cop-outs you know I, I always believed that if you failed you failed it wasn't because it was supposed to happen but you know I look at now where I am in life what I've accomplished what I'm what I'm going to be and every setback that I've had I'm so grateful for so I I couldn't I don't I wouldn't want to change anything but it's just one of those deals where the thing that had hurt me the most was listening to outside people let, let, letting people dictate what I was supposed to do when reality, you know, I had lost what I wanted to do way before. When you came back to be the linebacker whisperer, did you feel like you were talking to yourself or like what, what was you in that kind of a scenario? There were definitely times that I had said things I wish would said to me. Um, and I think in an aspect, it, it helped. It definitely helped. And I don't want to mention it. It definitely helped the guys that I would talk to. And in a sense, would help me out because I had seen some of the things that had went wrong. You know, I, I had gone through life and, you know, I say life. I had gone through high school and all this, wondering why certain things didn't happen. And then by speaking to another kid who was in a similar situation, you know, it helped me realize, yeah, that's why I went wrong. <laughs> you know, I was so filled with, you know, emotion that I didn't see the big picture. You know, it was head down and run a million miles per hour instead of, you know, man, enjoy the days relax, enjoy playing with your teammates and be happy. Go, you know, 
do what you want to do. A lot of times, you know, my 16-year-old stuff, I didn't do what I wanted to do. I, I thought I did, you know, I basically did what I thought needed to be done. And, you know, I grow up a couple of years down the road and I realized, man, I wasted so much time on that. But again, like I said earlier, it's, it's gotten me to a place that I, I honestly, all my dreams, they couldn't touch it. So where I am right now. So I'm happy. Now in your development as a person, was there a book, a movie, a video, or something that made a, a giant impact on your life? Uh, yeah, of, of course. There, there are some things that I, I've read uh, and some things that I've watched. <laughs> but truth be told, it was always the people around me. Um, sometimes it was, it was a subtraction of people. And, you know, it was getting back to – it was even getting back to you. Know, you brought up a good point even in '09 when I came back. I remember how it happened. Me and you had met at the uh, Long Island New York football game. Yep. And I remember I had been gone, I think at this point, maybe a month. And I was definitely confused. I was, I was very emotional. At this time, I had thought I was this big stud star, you know, all this. I didn't even have a college yet. I didn't know where I was going. And here I am watching people, you know, that I had felt that I belonged with. And they all knew where they were going. I was really lost. And, um, you know, I... I confided in you. I saw you and you didn't, you didn't make a big thing of it. You didn't, you know, give me a Vince Lombardi speech. You gave me a pat in the back and said, Torres, yeah, I'll see you Sunday. And then it was kind of like just that interaction alone helped me. And that's what I surrounded myself with people who, who had my best interests. Now, when you were in high school, did, did you, did you spend more time at baseball showcases than you did at football I'll, I'll call them clinics for back of a, lack of a better word. High school was definitely a very, um, very tricky time in my life, only because a lot of people didn't see what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, I remember literally one Saturday, there was a big, uh, big football game. We go to Del Barton, boom, boom, boom. Long story short, Sunday, I'm there the next morning picking up my baseball equipment to go compete at a showcase that's going to determine if I go to a top-notch college or not. Meanwhile, the game before, my shoulders back at Del Barton, my knees, like, you know, it was all these things that I was always spreading myself so thin. And again, that's, that was a tribute to who I was. I want, you know, I really, that was the fire I had. But um, again, it, it hurt me because there was a lot of times that people thought I didn't give 100%. I always, I always gave it everything I had. Just unfortunately for me, sometimes that was 75%. You got all 75%. <laughs> you know, that's what I had in the tank. So I'm going to, I want to wrap up with, with two different, two questions. So right. question one is, what is one life lesson that you learned from high school football that is carried over with you to this day and will eliminate same arm, same leg? Oh, is it, is this? <laughs> one lesson from high school football. Honestly, it's, it's what we touched on before when we talked about assignments. It's uh, accountable, being accountable. And yes, people will laugh because they'll bring up my missed workouts and they'll bring up this. <laughs> and, you know, and, and again, that's a fair, fair response. But um, I bring up accountability in regards to I know, and I believe you know, that if anybody, yourself included, anybody had ever called me, anybody ever depended on something, somebody, they knew Frank Torres was going to be there. They knew Frank Torres was going to give it his all. He was going to do whatever he could. He'd push his motives aside to help you and do whatever you can. And that was high school football to me. That was 
hell, if you're going to run, lower your head, and you may, you may wake up in the ER, which has happened to me a couple times, that's going to help the team win, then you do it. So uh, you talk about accountability. I just want to talk about the first ever, the first and only advanced training dinner that was or- organized by uh, Drew Olson. So <laughs> Joe Berechko sends up, uh, sorry, he shows up, and there's nobody there. And then uh, I believe it was two hours later that you showed up. Yeah, I showed up. So you were, you were accountable. You actually showed up, and Drew Olson did not show up at all. Ah, <laughs> uh, Drew. Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that night. Don't get me wrong. Me, me and Marusco, we had a good time. Man. That, was a, <laughs> that was quite a dinner. I really would say it was a dinner. But, uh, <laughs> but it was a good time. And, and, uh, and, again, just to touch back on the seriousness of it, that was something that was inbred in me by, you know, people like you. Be accountable not only for the good you do, but the, for the bad too, knowing that every action has a consequence. And I, as a grown up, well, I like to look at myself as a grown up, but you know, as, as a man now, I, I look at that and I hold that dear. And that's something that I want to teach my kids. That's something that I try to teach my players is that, Hey, listen, go out there. If you're going to do something, you know, just be accountable for it. If you, you know, if you tell me, Hey coach, I blitz cause I thought I had a chance. All right. If that's, you know, you're honest with yourself and you can hold yourself accountable, then I, I, I can't be that mad at you. And here's something to think about. It's been said that success is doing what you said you were going to do. So a successful person, they do what they say they're going to do. And it may not be the right thing, but if they say, I'm going to do X and they do X, then they were successful at that mission, whatever that mission was. No, absolutely. Success has always been one of those. <laughs> I know it's, I know it has a definition, but it's all, it's often skewed. Uh, Truth be told, you know, yeah, I, I take I don't, I don't like using my my story as an example, but, I, you know, there were times that I looked at myself as unsuccessful. Uh, yet I hear some of the things some people have said and talked about. And I look back on everything that I had done. And, you know, here I am now close to 30 and I'm proud of every single one of them, every downfall, you know, every time I got cut or everything. This because I went out there, I gave it my all. I said I was going to do it. I went. I had no fear. And to me, that success was literally just putting your heart on the table saying, give it your best shot. That's why, you know, when I coach and I see some of these kids, you know, I don't, I just don't fling to the most talented guy there. I I look at the guy who's giving it his all because to me, that is a successful person. Someone who just goes out there, not afraid to lose, not afraid to give it his best shot because, you know, life, you know, sometimes we dictate too much of the scoreboard and yes, of course, there's going to be a loser and there's going to be a winner. But, you know, you go out there, you put on that helmet, you give it the best, you know, you're a man in my eyes. You're successful. So I'm, I'm going to end with a different question than I ask most people. I usually ask them about removing clutter or simplification. But I, I, for you, I feel like I need to ask this question. Sure. What is the one thing that you think you bring to the culture of advanced trading that is unique to you and couldn't be replaced by anybody else? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go to uh... – <laughs> to my strength and weakness. I, I, I think I brought a lot of heart to the program. Um, there were definitely some days I know I wasn't the only one who didn't want to be there. There were some cold runs. There were some uh, painful days. But uh, the one thing that I knew that I was very good at, it may not, I may not have been the fastest or the strongest. The one thing I knew I could do was get the energy up. I knew I could you know, pull the best out of people. Even if they hated me for that moment, my job was just to make them the best they could be, was to ignore the elements and, you know, give it everything they got. And I knew I was successful at doing that. 
and I think it's important to state that you wouldn't do it the same way all the time. Sometimes you'd make a guy feel miserable about himself. If this, <laughs> this poor guy thinks he gained a pound, you'd call him fat. If he was self-conscious about his mobility, you'd call him like a tin man. Or sometimes if the guy was struggling on bench press, you'd get in his face and encourage him. So, and you'd always say, give, give me that last rep. He got five reps. You give me the sixth one. I earned it by making him, by getting in his head and make him do it. So I, I did love that about you, that you changed your motivation based on the moment. You, you'd piss a guy off to a certain extent. And when he, when he hit rock bottom, then you build him back up. No, no, absolutely. And, and again, there were some guys who didn't need it. There were guys, you know, you had a podcast about Morano. I, it's crazy that you call him the most underrated. I thought that kid was a, a workhorse from day one. Uh, I wasn't going to mess with him. But there was there were some guys that really didn't need it. And then there were others who did. Um, and again, it was just bringing, you know, the culture of what advanced training was, or at least in my eyes. I didn't know if he wanted it to be like that, Coach, and I apologize if he didn't. But it was just, we were all there. We were all in it together. You know, it was one of those, <laughs> you know, I was I was kind of just projecting what I what I needed, I guess, and you look at it, and it, it ended up, you know, paying dividends. You know, a lot of guys, again, like I said earlier, one of my biggest accomplishments was getting those mental reps to guys because I, I would see them struggle. And it was something that I needed when I was struggling. I would need the fire. I would need someone to get me going because that's who I was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say that. Well, and I, You said that you don't know if I wanted it that way. Well, uh, the way I wanted it was you guys motivating each other. You know, I didn't want it to be me. I didn't want to have to be the guy to say, let's go. Let's pick this up. Or come on, you got to get to a workout. I, I loved every second of the way you guys pushed each other. And sometimes maybe it got a, sometimes it got a little too heated. I mean, the people in our gym were looking at us like, are these guys going to throw a 45-pound plate in each other's head or something like that? But Oh, yeah, there were definitely it, some times. <laughs> but it, it absolutely raised guys' game to the next level. Also, I have to believe that, you know, if you're working out all summer with Frank Torres – and then you go back and play college football, there's no opponent getting in your head. You've already been through the worst of it. You know, if you're a baseball player, you get in the batter's box, there's no catcher that's going to get in your head more than Frank Torres did during a workout. So you've already conditioned your mind to go past all this stuff. No, it's funny you say that because I, I still talk to even guys that I played against and this and that. And it's funny. As I've grown up, I've, I mean, you know, you may not believe this. Everyone listening may not believe this, but I, I've toned down a little bit. I don't, I don't shit talk as much. Uh, but a lot of what I do now, I, I kind of just study people and, you know, we, like we talk about this tough man competition that's coming up. And I mean, these are already predetermined workouts, but if we were in a gym, I wouldn't, you know, I would study a guy like Blanco and I would know, okay, his big thing is bench press, but you know, he can't hold anything over his head. So I would attack him on that, making him feel inferior, you know, that he has to do this now. <laughs> that he has to beat me in overhead squat, knowing that, you know, I know he can't. Everyone knows he can't, but I'm going to get in his head that he'd be less if he couldn't. But, oh, God. And he did take that self-consciously. And he, <laughs> he, because of you, and I'm, I'm sure that was stuck in his head, and because of his hard work, he's actually now very good at overhead squats. But you would put that in his head uh, When I time. see it, I'll believe it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Billy's, Billy's a great, a great kid, good friend of mine, a great athlete. And it's funny, you put guys like me and him together, and sometimes it's like fire and fire. There were some real close moments in that gym. But, uh, you know, again, you know, guys like him made me better. It, it was what it was. That's why, you know, again, I fed off it. I, I was going to repeat something that you said about Billy Blanco, but I don't know if it's a, appropriate. But it was, it was mentioning if you met Billy Blanco in the hole, 
If, like, say he was a fullback and you were a linebacker. Uh, I, I won't go through the end of it. Anybody wants to hear the end of it, I will tell you on Thanksgiving morning. So, Frank Torres, you are showing up Thanksgiving morning, right? I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, I'm doing my best. I do have work that morning. Unfortunately, I don't have easy uh, jobs like some of these peasants that you're training. Uh, but I am pulling all strings possible. Uh, my best case scenario is that I'm going to do a midnight and then go into the workout. But, you know, again, that's not going to stop me. You know, so you're going to roll in right from work. Right from work. All right. You, you know that you're on my team, right? Like I'm actually counting on you to win this thing. Accountability. We talked about it. Yes. Before. You know that. <laughs> All right, Frank. Great podcast. This will be, I hope, the first of many. I would like to get uh, Conversations with the Champ back up. That was a, a blog that we had going a while ago. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Those were great times. Listen, this is a great phase one, and I will see you on Thanksgiving morning. Coach, first and foremost, thank you for everything. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you continue to do great things. And, you know, again, shout out to the guys who are competing on, you know, Thanksgiving. I can't wait to see you. Love you all. Coach. All right, man. Care. Love you. Great podcast. Thank you.